morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? It's great to see you here today. So excited to be uh, with you, worshiping together in spirit and truth. I want to say this morning, uh, I said this last week, but I want to say it again, that if you are visiting with us, we are so excited that you're here, that you've chosen to join our faith family and to to be a part of our worship service with us. We're excited that you're here. And maybe you've been here for a couple of weeks, and that's great. Uh, maybe you've been checking us out for a little longer than that. But, but regardless, if you're new to, uh, to this faith family, we're excited that you're here. And, and we are, uh, I want to just remind you of something we mentioned last week. Uh, if you've been visiting with us, uh, we are having next Sunday uh, what we call a newcomer's lunch. We have these from time to time. And a newcomer's lunch is a, is a time for newcomers to the faith family to come and have lunch and meet some of the staff and just hear more about who we are as a church. So I want to invite you to this free lunch. It's following uh, the second service. So uh, it, it might mean that you want to come to the second service next week if, if you want to come and be a part of that. Uh, but we want to invite you to be a part of that so that we can meet you and, 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 come and get to know you. And uh, it's going to be an exciting time for for you, it'll be an exciting time for us as we get to uh, just have that time of, of meeting and greeting one another. And so I want to just remind you of that. Also, I want to say that in two weeks, we're going to be launching a new series. Uh, we've been walking through this series called Free, and, uh, and, and I believe, I, I know at least for me, it's been a really good series for me to just think about uh, different issues in my life. It's been challenging to me, but it's been one that's also encouraged me to just lean more heavily on the Lord. But in two weeks, we're going to be launching a new series. It's called Salt and Light. And we're going to be looking over the next nine weeks, starting on Labor Day weekend, what it means to be salt of the earth and light of the world. And so we're going to be going through a lot of different uh, topics and, and, and really just seeing what God's plan is for the church. It's going to be one that really reveals a lot about who we are. It's, it's, it's our identity, really. Uh, that series is designed to teach us that. And so I'm excited about it. We've been putting it together, and myself and Spence and some of the others just been walking through what that series is going to be looking like, and, and I'll tell you, I couldn't be more excited about that, so uh, just want to invite you to, to, to make sure you put, you know, starting Labor Day weekend, the next nine weeks on your calendar, because you're not going to want to miss a single one of them. I, I just really believe God wants to use that series to just bring us together even more. And so I'm excited about that. Now, before we get into the message this morning, typically I would, I would pray and we would just dive right into God's Word, but I, I really want to sort of do something a little bit different this morning. Before I pray, uh, I want to, uh, to just say something about the message, because this is one that I believe is very important for every one of us in this room here today. Um, the topic that we're going to be looking at this morning is pride, is pride. So we're going to be looking at the issue of pride in our life. And pride is probably one of the most difficult issues to preach on. It's one of the most difficult issues to preach because the reality is when you're preaching to people who are walking in pride, they don't know that they're walking in pride. In fact, their pride keeps them from believing that they need to hear the message. And so the reality is this, is that, that every one of us in this room need to hear this message. And so I want to sort of throw that out there. Uh, you know, for example, uh, this morning, I just want to say this. If, if, you're, if you're thinking, well, this message is not one that I necessarily need to hear. I can kind of sit back and relax this morning. Well, no, that's exactly why you need to hear it, right? 
I mean, that's pointing to this reality that there's pride that exists in your life. Or maybe this morning you were sitting here thinking, oh boy, old Susan and Tom, they need to hear this. Well, that may be that Susan and Tom need to hear this message, but that also is a clear indication that, guess what, you need to hear this message, right? It's one of those issues that as we jump into it, uh, pride is going to be the one thing that stands in God's way of Him speaking into our hearts and revealing the pride in our life that we may once again turn to Jesus and and ask God to remove the pride from our life, to turn to Him for healing and, and, and restoration of our souls. And so I think it's very important this morning that we think about that, the, the reality that we all need this message this morning. I know I needed this message, just praying through this series and praying through this, this message today and thinking about even the pride in my own life and, 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 and knowing that how desperately I need Jesus in my life so that I don't be the person who walks in a spirit of pride. It's just that important. And so this morning, what I want to do before I pray, I want to invite you to do something here this morning. I want to invite you to position yourself in such a way, to, to position yourself in such a way that, that you prepare for this prayer that we're about to pray and ask God to give you the ears to hear this morning. Ask God to remove the distractions in your life. You know, for the next 30 or 40 or, or an hour and a half that we have together this morning, whatever it's going to be, just ask God to, to allow your mind to be focused on God's Word this morning, that God would be able to speak deeply into your heart. And let us not be thinking about our neighbor. Let us not be thinking about somebody that desperately needs to hear this message. Let us be thinking about how God wants to speak into our heart this morning concerning this issue of pride. And so I want to ask everyone here this morning, just bow your heads and close your eyes. And let us just sort of get in that place of, of just ready to receive what God wants to speak into our life. What is it that God wants to share with us this morning? I want to give you a moment just to, to privately pray and ask God to just, to just clear your mind so that we would be free of any distractions here this morning. And then I will pray for us as we get ready to dive into God's Word. Father, give us humble hearts this morning. Help us to set aside ourselves during this time together. Help us to set aside ourselves and prepare to hear from you. Father, help us to see the issues in our life. God, and come to that place where we recognize our dependency on you our dependency on Jesus as our Savior and our Lord in our life. And God, may we seek to glorify you in everything that we do. Father, if we have gathered in this place this morning to, to worship in spirit and truth, as we have gathered in this place this morning to hear the proclamation of your word, Father, I pray that for each and every one of us here today, God, that we would be prepared to do just that, that we would be able to 
place aside every distraction that exists in this moment. And God, the, the desires of our heart would be to hear from you, to learn from you, to ultimately pursue you over everything else in our life. And God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you. We pray, God, that we would see your holiness this morning and be transformed by your presence and your power in our life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every single day of your life, every single day of your life, and in every aspect of your life, whether we're talking about your relationships, your home, your job, your community, every aspect of your life, pride is your number one enemy. Pride is your number one enemy. Now, last week we were talking about arrogance, and we were talking about this reality that, that you know, arrogance is a sin and all that, and, 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 and for us to assume or to take on this assumption that, that our way is a better way than God's way, we were talking about arrogance, and arrogance is, is oftentimes sort of displayed to where all around us can kind of see it, but pride is one of those things that, that often doesn't necessarily raise its head. I want to offer to you a few thoughts this morning about pride before we dive into the text that we're going to be looking at because I think it's important that we understand a little something about pride, maybe something that we didn't really understand before we go to God's Word. And as we go to God's Word, knowing this about pride, that we can better understand how God's Word applies to our life and helps us battle against pride in our life. But pride being the number one enemy in our in our life, it is something that we certainly need to be thinking about. Here's the first thought that I want to give you here this morning. Pride is often very subtle. Pride is often very subtle. That's why it's so dangerous in our life. Pride can be there. It can, it, it can be a part of our life, and, and we don't even know it. In fact, because of our pride, we will tell ourselves that we are not prideful people. It's very subtle in our life, but it exposes itself every single day in our conversations and in our actions, it sort of, it, it is revealed we may be very unaware of the pride that exists in our life, but our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and everybody around us, they often see this pride that exists in our life. So that's one thing, one thought that we need to understand. The second thing is this, that pride often flows from a sense of fear or insecurity. Pride often flows from a sense of fear or insecurity. We might fear what others might think of us, that is pride. That's not fear, that's pride. That's pride standing in the way. And, and from the pride that exists in our heart, we allow fear to come forth from that, fry, that, that, that fear. Uh, also, we, we begin to realize that when we are insecure people, when insecurity exists in our life, then we begin to blame others for our actions rather than ourselves, And so that's, once again, is pride sort of rearing its nasty head. And so pride flows or often flows from a source of uh, fear or insecurity. Number three, it causes us to walk with a false sense of control. Pride causes us to walk with a false sense of control. This is where we begin to think, I don't need God. Uh, I, I'm doing fine in my life without God. I, I don't, 
I, I don't need to rely on anybody else in my life. I've got control of my life. And that's a false sense of control. And that is pride that is the source of where that thought is coming from. I want to read here this morning uh, an editorial by the Star Tribune, which is uh, Minnesota's largest newspaper. And, and this was several years back. This comes from uh, quite a while back. But this was just something that, that the editor had, had written about the culture there in, in their area. And he says this. He says, there are some who naively cling to the nostalgic memory of God. Listen to this. He says, the average churchgoer takes a few hours out of the week to experience the sacred, but the rest of the time he is immersed in a society that no longer acknowledges God and is uh, as omniscient and as omnipotent force to be loved and worshiped. Now look at this. Today we are too sophisticated for God. We can stand on our own. We are prepared and ready to choose and define our own existence. Wow. Today, we are too sophisticated for God. We can stand on our own. That's the culture in which we live. And that stems from a sense of pride. Pride is where that would even dare to come from. And so we begin to lose this, this sense of, uh, of, where, of, of who's in control. I love what Psalms 10.4 says. It says this. It says, In the pride of his face, the wicked do not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. So you see the dangers of pride, of what pride can bring about in our life, and the reason that we need to talk about pride and the reality that we need to always be at war against pride in our life. The fourth thing I want to give you, the fourth observation, I guess, is this, that God has more hatred for pride than anything else. God has more hatred for pride than anything else. And you might be saying here this morning, well, Pastor David, all sin is sin, right? I mean, is there one that's even really greater than the other? But you remember when Jesus said to his disciples, uh, or, or to those who were asking him, some religious leaders of his day, when they came to him and they said, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said to them, you shall love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Jesus says, this is the first and great commandment. And so Jesus tells these people that this is what is most important. This is what uh, should be most important in our life to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And pride is that which stands in the way of us ever doing that. Loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind. Why? Because pride is selfish. Pride points to ourselves. Now, the fifth thing I want to say about pride before we dive into the text is this. God will ultimately punish pride. We look in Proverbs, passages like Proverbs 16, 18, which says this, pride goes before destruction and a proud spirit before a fall. God will not allow pride because you see, the reality in our life is that when pride exists in our life, when pride, when we find ourselves walking in pride, if we're not careful, we begin to lose sight of God. And as God's children, he just simply will not allow that in our life. 
And so this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter. We're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. This is where our text is this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. Verses 5 through 8. You're going to see some familiarity in this passage, but this is where we want to sort of camp out here this morning. Now, in 1 Peter 5, Peter begins here uh, in chapter 5 with sort of this exhortation uh, of, uh, to the elders, to the, to the leaders of the church. He's speaking uh, in, the, in verses 1 through 4 to the leadership of the church. And one of the things that he does to them is he tells them or teaches them is to shepherd the flock. And he tells them to do this eagerly and willing. Eagerly and willing. So he's, he's addressing the elders or the leadership of the church. And so he's, he's speaking into them and he says, shepherd the flock. And then he challenges the elders to shepherd, not by overbearing, but by leading by example. And so he's really addressing this idea of, of eldership and, and leadership in the life of the church. And then Peter real quickly, uh, he moves to addressing this issue of pride. And what we're going to see in this text is that Peter, uh, he reveals that becoming less prideful should really be at the forefront of our agenda. That becoming less prideful, that battling pride, that eliminating pride from our life should really be at the forefront of our agenda. As we live life, as we pursue Jesus, as we live out our life as, as believers and followers of Christ Jesus, that searching deep within and trying to discover if pride exists in our life and then eliminating that from our life, that should be one of the top priorities in our life. And so this is what Peter is, is really about to turn to and go to as we dive into verse 5 through 8. So look at this with me, if you will. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 8. And Peter says this. He says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Now, parents love that verse, right? Uh, in fact, you're thinking, man, I wish my, my, my kid was in here right now so I could just look at him. And let me just say this, that's pride, okay? <laughs> I mean, he's about to get to it, right? Um, I, I love it how old pastors love to tell young pastors. They, they love to go to this passage, you know. Hey, you little whippersnapper, you, I want you, to, I want you to know that the Word of God says that you're supposed to be subject to me as your elder uh, no, he's talking about pride here, okay? And so he's fixing to dive into it. But he says this, he says, he says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. And then look at this, he says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Now look at this, he says, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. You know, I was, I was looking at this text, and, and there's, uh, there's so many different texts here that we use all the time uh, to, to talk about different issues. Almost every one of these verses we use individually so often as we go through life and we think about the different things. I know this last one here, uh, be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How often do you hear that? We hear that all the time. That's truth. That's the truth of God's word, no doubt. But remember, the issue that 
that Peter is focusing on here is the issue of pride. And so we want to look at all of these collectively in the context of what Peter is saying here as we read through this passage. And what we begin to realize is that Peter is addressing two things which directly oppose one another, that directly are in contrast to one another. He's talking about pride and he's talking about humility. Not to say that these are the prideful people and these are the humble people here this morning. I'm just sort of using my arms to illustrate what I'm saying here. But the reality is there's this issue of pride and there's this issue of humility. And what Peter wants to do is he wants to bring this to our attention that we may understand it and ultimately do what it takes to rid ourselves of pride. That we may not be children of God who are walking with the spirit of pride. And so Peter, he, he begins to address this. He, he addresses the dangers of pride, and he gives us some very sobering things to think about. But he also offers the benefits or the results, if you will, of humility. He speaks of the grace of God being a gift to the humble. How many of us love and, and, and adore the grace of God in our life? Amen? We desire the grace of God. We're thankful for the grace of God. So he talks about this being the benefit of humility in our life. But here's what I want us to do. As we prepare to dive deeper into this issue, looking at what pride really is, I, I, I want us to define pride and I want us to define humility. Let's, let's look at those two definitions. Let's see how they oppose one another. and Let's see how, how, what we can learn just simply from how we define these two issues. All right, so here's pride. Here's the definition of pride. The definition of pride is this, a high opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or displayed in our conduct. Now, I want you to, I want you to look at something here because this is hugely important as we think about pride. Remember what I said earlier when I said pride can be often very subtle in our life. Remember when I said that? Pride is often very subtle in our life. Now look at the definition of this with me because I think this is hugely, hugely important. The last part of this definition says that pride exists, look, whether it's cherished in the mind or displayed in our conduct, okay? Whether it's cherished in our mind or dwells in our heart or in our, if our pride is put on display. In other words, pride doesn't have to be visible. Pride doesn't have to display itself with arrogance. You can be walking this earth and everybody in this church, everybody in this community might declare for you that, boy, that is the most humble person I know, and yet pride can exist in the heart. Pride can be there. And so don't think that a person has to walk this earth and, and, and show this, put on this display of arrogance and pride for you to be able to recognize pride, although it's not our job to really recognize pride in anyone else's life. I'm saying this to say this, that let us be open-minded to whether or not pride might exist in our own hearts, whether or not we're displaying it or not. It could be cherished in our minds. It could be cherished in our hearts and so it can exist it can be there it can be there and we may not even be aware 
that it exists. That's why it's so important for us before we even look at this to pray and say, God, if there's pride in my heart, please expose it. Please expose it. So I can turn away from it, that I can pursue you. The perfect example is Jesus when we want to look at humility. So we need to pray and ask God to expose it. Now let's look at the biblical view of humility. And the reason I say biblical view is because when I went to the uh, dictionary, this is what it said, a lowly view of oneself. That's not humility the way uh, the Bible speaks. Because you see, the reality is this, as we try to think of how to define humility, one of the things we begin to realize that humility in the Bible is not thinking less of oneself. It's not having this, well, I am worthless sort of attitude. It's something else. So I want to give you more of a biblical definition of what humility is. When we see the word be humble or we see the word humility in the Scripture, what is that talking about? Here's a good way for us to define it. A virtual submission to God and thinking of others more important than oneself. That would be a good, that would be a good definition of biblical humility. A virtue of submission to God. Remember, what is the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? The first and greatest commandment is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. It's hard to do that when we love ourselves greater than God. Amen? And so we want to understand that it begins with a submission of God, but it's also a thinking of others more important than oneself. Someone once said these words. I love this. I don't know who the writer of it was, but I found it, and I wanted to share it with you. But it said this, acting with humility does not in any way deny our own self-worth. Rather, it affirms the inerrant worth of all persons. Humility dissolves pride, and it allows us to see the dignity of others. I love that. That's a great way to talk about what humility is, especially in light of how the Bible speaks of humility. And so there we have that. And so those are the definitions. So let's take a look. Let's dive into this passage. Let's look at our text, and let's see what it is that Peter is talking about. Peter starts off here, and he's talking about pride. Now, I want us to do this. I want us to look at what Peter has to say about pride, but I also want us to look at what Peter has to say about humility, okay? And so we're going to start off. Peter starts off with pride. That's a good place for us to start off as well. In verse 5, it says this. It says, Likewise... You who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, having just addressed the elders in verses 1 through 4, Peter now turns to the younger, okay, to the younger. And as we read this, we we have to realize that the, the younger people, let me just say this, younger people don't have a monopoly on pride, okay? I've seen some very old people that are very proud, okay, that are very much eat up with pride in their life. And so let us as as older people in the church, and I don't know, you can define whether or not that includes you or not, uh, but as older people in the church, let us not think that, that young people are just dumb and they just don't have it figured out and they're just full of pride. No, sir. That's not what this scripture is saying. It's not saying young people are eat up with pride and old people, they got it figured out. That's not at all what's saying here. But he does use this term, the younger, because in their day, typically those who were more spiritually mature, those who were more further along in their faith, 
were typically older than the ones that they were reaching and ultimately discipling. And so basically what Peter is saying here, as he speaks to the church as a whole, he addresses the elders or the leadership of the church. And now by using this word younger, he's talking about the rest of everybody in the church or the congregation, if you will, in today's terms. And so he's speaking into the life of the church as a whole. And what we begin to realize here as we look at this, as he talks about this, he begins to address this. He says, clothe yourselves. And then he says this so that no, none of us older folks can think that we're not prideful. He says, all of you. You see that? He says, all of you. Clothe yourselves, all of you. So in other words, I'm speaking to everyone here. That's what, that's what Peter's saying. And then he says this. He says, all of you with humility. In other words, wrapping ourselves with humility toward one another. And so that's where, that's where really pride just sort of springs up. When, you know, you can, you can walk your life on this earth all alone and never really deal with pride because usually it's when somebody else comes into your life that pride begins to well up. Maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's envy, maybe it's all these other things, you know, that, that sort of cause pride to take root in our heart. But Peter is very clear about including everyone in this room, every single one of us sitting here, including myself. This is who's, who this message is written for this morning, okay? And so here he says this. He, he, he says this, and it's not, a, it's not an issue of young versus old. It's the issue of pride that he wants to address. And he sends a very strong message, one that we should heed, one that we should embrace, one that we should receive from God's word here this morning. Peter says very clearly, God opposes the proud. Do you see that? God opposes the proud. God does not like pride. Can we, just, can we just agree on that? God's word reveals to us that God does not like pride. And so Peter sends this, this huge warning to us, if you will, that God opposes the pride. Now, why is it? Why is it that God was so strongly pushed back on pride and not maybe other things in our life. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny how throughout Scripture, it seems that, that we come across those particular sins that God really just, you know, He finds as an abomination unto Himself. Pride is one of those. As we walk through Scripture from cover to cover, we see that pride is something that God just, He just can't stand. And we've talked about that a little bit, being that our first... Uh, commandment our greatest love should be to love God above everything else in our life maybe that's why but why is it that he pushes back so strongly I want to offer to you three observations okay three observations here write these down uh, and, and so we need to know these okay the first one is this pride is self-satisfying satisfying not God glorifying okay that's what pride does that's what pride is pride is self-satisfying not God glorifying okay that might be a good reason why God may oppose the proud. And so we see this, we begin to see this. H have you ever noticed in your life, have you ever noticed in your life that when things are going really well for you, when things are, when, when man, life couldn't be any better. I, 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 heard this, I heard this saying one time years ago from a farmer. He said, man, I'm loving life and living large. You know, he says, and I think he said a few things and he said, I'm walking in high cotton, okay? I, I'm not sure I know what that means, but I think he's, he's, he's thinking that it's going to be a, a good year. You ever noticed how when things are going really good for you that your Bible study and your prayer time just seem to go down? 
You ever, you ever notice that sort of self-reliance in your life? How, man, things are going great, and, and we, you know, at first we start off thanking God for the blessing in our life, and then, you know, the thanksgiving sort of becomes less and less, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're just, we're just running through life, and everything we touch turns to gold, and, and, and life is such a huge success, and we sort of run out there without really thinking about God, and certainly not praising God anymore, but then things turn around, right? All of a sudden, everything turns bad. What's the first thing we do? We run to God. God, <laughs> you've got to help me. You know, I, I wonder why God doesn't say, why? Why should I help you? But we have a God who loves us deeply, amen? And, and so, you know, I think a lot of times God wants us to run back. I know he wants us to run back into his arm. But, but the reality is this, is that when things go bad, we, we, that's when we're like, God, please help me, right? And when things are going good, when things are going good, pride is self-satisfying and not God-glorifying. Listen to what we see in Hosea 13, verses 5 and 6. God is speaking to Israel. Listen to what he says to Israel. I pray this is not us. But God says this to Israel. He says, I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of drought. As they had their pasture, they became Satisfied And being satisfied, their heart became proud. Therefore, they forgot me. You see how that happens? How pride just sort of takes over? I would almost imagine they didn't even know they were prideful. I almost imagine they didn't realize that they were self-satisfying, that they were beginning to, to see their lives as being something that could accomplish, could be accomplished on their own. I can only imagine that Israel, and we see this in Israel's life over and over and over. I remember one time meeting with a young man who, was, who we were sort of discipling. I was discipling. We were walking through the Old Testament. And he says, man, he says, he says, Israel, they'll make mistakes. They'll turn to God. God will forgive them of their sin. And then things will get good. And then they do the same thing over and over and over. It's like they get into their sin then they cry out to God. God restores them. He heals their land. He does all these things, and they live for a little while, and then they forget God, and, you know, and it's this cycle of love God, not love God. Love God, not love God. Thank God, don't thank God. Thank God, don't thank God. And then all of a sudden, he stopped, and he goes, wait a minute. I think that's my life. I said, I'm pretty sure it's your life because that's the way we are, isn't it? When pride comes into the picture, that's just the way we are. Here's the second thing we want to notice about pride. Pride speaks of self-achievement, not God-reliance. Pride speaks of self-achievement, not God-reliance. Pride, pride cannot trust God. Pride cannot trust God. Pride is, is, is the reliance of self. It can't trust, it can trust self, but it can't, trust God because that's what pride does it trusts self over God it, it, it speaks of self achievement and it speaks of self worth and it speaks of self you know advancement not of God's reliance as a result we end up saying things like look what I did look what I accomplished bringing attention to ourselves serving for recognition whatever 
And so what we realize is that pride speaks of self-achievement. It's always speaking of self-achievement. And again, let us not forget, this doesn't have to be what we say verbally. It can be what exists in our hearts. As pastors, we preach the best message we've ever heard. And nobody comes to the altar. And we're sitting there thinking, what in the world? That was the best I had to offer. Why aren't the people at the altar on their knees in prayer? How dare they? Man, what's wrong with those prideful people? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Why would my satisfaction have to come in the response of anyone? Why would I have to ever even think of what might be a successful sermon? Why can't I just simply be faithful to God for what God has laid on my heart to preach and leave the results to Him? And if nobody chooses to come to the altar, then I could probably say, well, God, that's your fault, okay? No, I, I wouldn't say that. But I, you know what I'm saying here. I mean, why would I ever care, really, who comes to the altar if I'm being faithful to what God has called me to preach, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. But honestly, it does. Honestly, it matters. And there's pride in my heart. Just like there's pride in your heart. I'm not going to let you get off the hook. Just because I'm speaking of myself here, I'm not letting you get off the hook. Remember, I said, this is for all of us. Well, that's probably prideful of me to say. I'm sorry. You see how easy it springs up in our life? Listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. Excuse me, verse, yeah, 11 through uh, 14, and then also verse 17. I'm going to give you these here this morning. It says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and ordinance and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. Otherwise, when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiply and all that you have multiplies, look at verse 14, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Look at verse 17 here. Otherwise, you may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Pride. That's all it is. It's saying, look what I've done, rather than saying, look at how I've had to rely on God all my life recognizing his blessings, giving thanks for the blessings, but knowing it had nothing to do with what you accomplished, but rather everything that God wanted you to accomplish. The last thing I want to point out here, oh my gosh, we have no time. Pride does not trust God with the future. Pride does not trust God with the future. I would say pride probably doesn't trust God with anything, but the point I want to make here as we look at this last one on pride is pride doesn't trust God with the future. Notice what Peter says, what he points out to us in verses 6 and 7. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Look at this, number 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. 
How often do we talk about casting our anxieties on God when we're talking about fear, but how often do we talk about casting our anxieties on God when we're talking about pride? Do you, do you see the correlation between pride and our fear, our anxiousness? Do you see? Remember, in the context of what Peter's writing, he's addressing the issue of pride. He's addressing this issue of pride, and yet he says when there's anxiety in your life, there's pride. There's pride. So often we look at verse 7 as sort of this standalone text, but, but pride is the root of our anxiety. When, when we're anxious over the future, we are in essence saying, I don't trust you, God. And maybe within we're saying, I ought to, I know I should trust you with my future, but God, I'm fearful of my future, which ultimately says, I don't trust you with my future. Because if I trusted you with my future, although I may not know what the future holds for me, I'm not anxious. You see how it's tied in together? Because pride says, I'm going to have to take the control of the reins. I'm going to have to take the bull by the horns because I'm fearful, God, and you're not giving me peace. And I'm going to, I may have to step in here, Lord. So Peter brings up this amazing point that even when we are anxious, we're not trusting God with our future. When we walk in pride, a full and purposeful and satisfying life will always escape us. Did you hear that? When we walk in pride, a full and purposeful and satisfying life will always escape us. We will never be content. We will never be truly happy. We will never feel like we're in God's will. We will not feel blessed when there's pride in our life. It is public enemy number one in our life, in our soul, in our heart. So real quickly... And I mean real quickly. Let me, uh, let me offer to you 14 observations. No, I'm <laughs> Let me real quickly give you three observations about humility. And I'll hurry because I know you're thinking about lunch already. Maybe not. Straight out of God's Word, God gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. This is something that we need to, to see, we need to understand. As we read through this passage, we get it. Uh, but it's so important also, and, and this is what I want to say about this. God gives grace to the humble, okay? And so there, there, there may exist in our hearts this need to pursue humility for some sort of performance virtue. You know, we may, we may sort of pursue humility. We may reject pride, hoping for the benefit, the reward that comes with humility, which is grace. But let me just be clear, God's grace is a free gift, okay? It's a free gift that we receive from God. And so we need to be very careful not to make assumptions that our humility is gonna result in something, although it does. It's not our humility that has earned God's grace. God's grace is given to us. God's grace is given to us freely. I love what John Piper has to say about this. He says, 
The reason is not that humility is a performance of virtue that earns grace, but that humility is a confession of emptiness that receives grace. It's a confession of emptiness. Humility says, God, I stand before you an empty man. I stand before you an empty man because, God, I realize in my life that I need you above everything else in my life. I need you, God. I can't do without you. That I rely on you, Lord. I will thank you. I will bless you. I will glorify your name, Lord. But I stand before you an empty vessel, God. Is grace a result of that? Absolutely. But I'm not earning God's grace by doing that. I'm just being faithful and obedient to what God has called me to be, not do, to be as an authentic follower of Jesus. So God gives grace to the humble. God will exalt the humble. God will exalt the humble. It says in verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. To be exalted means to be raised up, to be glorified. It means to be elevated in power and rank. And so he says, he will, he will exalt you. He will exalt you. And finally, finally, God will care for the humble. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus once said this in Matthew. He says, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We have one of the most amazing, we have, excuse me, we have the most amazing God, the most caring God, the most loving God. And I think at the very least, what we owe Him is to recognize the pride in our life and to ask God to remove that piece by piece from our hearts. One of the most challenging things in life is becoming humble, I think. It is probably the most challenging thing that we we have that exists in our life not becoming a better husband not becoming a better father not becoming a better leader in our church in our community those things may be challenging but not the greatest challenge that we face it's not being better at our job and being doing great in school or climbing the corporate ladder that's not the greatest challenge in our in our life although those can can pose great challenges that lie before us. As for me and our staff here, it's not coming up with the best strategy to reach our community. That can be challenging. Coming up with a good financial campaign to make sure the mission is funded, that can be extremely challenging. It's not the greatest challenge that we face, though. The greatest challenge that we face is walking in humility. Every one of us here today. It's the greatest challenge that we face. And we're really good at developing language around humility, but not walking through it. 
So this morning, as we prepare to sort of close out this service, I want you to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes once again. And this morning, as we have looked at a passage and we've sought God, we've sought Jesus, the reality is this, we need Him more than anything else in our life. There's nothing more important than for us to come to that place of recognizing that there is nothing more important in our life than Jesus. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Please ask yourself this question this morning. Is there anything standing in your way of knowing God the way He wants you to know Him? Of worshiping Jesus the way He wants to be worshiped? And if there's anything in your heart that you can think of that stands between you and the Lord Jesus, would you confess that sin today and turn to a holy and righteous God who freely bestows His grace on you, who loves you and cares for you more deeply than any person on this earth could ever? Would you turn to Jesus and just ask Jesus to rescue your heart from the way that it may have been thinking for so long. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and as I do, I invite you to come to this altar if that's what you feel like God's called you to do, to stand and sing the lyrics of the next song that we sing, or just remain seated in your chair. Whatever, whatever you feel that God is calling you to do, would you not allow pride to stand in your way? Just respond to Him.